Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Diane Woodford with us. And Diane is a former nurse educator, and when we first connected, we shared a lot about her background. My mom was also a former nurse and nurse educator, so we have that in common. Today, she has a podcast as well called Love Drops, which I will also be on. I'm so excited for that. She is an author, and she's helped me a lot on my writing journey, and since my first book will be coming out as well, so thank you for that, Diane, and also has her Path to Transformation community, where I have shared some blogs and read other uh, blog posts in our More Joy community, so Lots of connections. I'm so blessed to have Diane here today. So thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation, Jackie. It's so awesome to be here today. And thank you for that introduction as well. You're welcome. So let's get right into it and share a little bit about what inspired you to want to be a, a nurse educator or just be in the nursing field. All right, so let's just jump in. So I wanted to become a nurse because I wanted to help people. I wanted to um, be of a service. Um, my mom, she had some health challenges uh, growing up. So I was sort of like a caregiver with her in a way, and it inspired me. So once I became a nurse, I immediately knew that at some point I would want to go into education. And that was because I felt like nursing education had some rough edges around it and it just needed to be smoothed out some because every nursing student doesn't learn with that tough, hard um, approach. Sometimes it can just deter what could be an awesome nurse. So I wanted to be a teacher so that I could just meet the students where they were and just bring out the best in them and a softer approach for, yeah. I love that. Yes. And, you know, even though we're in different teaching professions, I see it the same way. Cause like my upbringing, I had either really, really like hard teachers who didn't connect with their students or ones that were just kind of there. And so this idea of wanting to be there and meet students where they are and wanting to connect and give them that support so that they can be the best they can be in their field. And you want to have great nurses, right? In the nursing field. So ultimately your mentorship is part of that. Can you share maybe um, some early stories of your teaching? Sure. So I I think the teaching component started on the floor 
you know, so in the hospital. So it's kind of started out where I had students that I precepted, students that I mentored, and then also new nurses as well. So that kind of got my feet wet into education and allowing me to find ways that I could apply my knowledge to connect, you know, with the new nurses knowledge in awe. And so that was the first step. Then I was invited to become an adjunct professor at a university with graduate nursing. Going from just precepting into the college arena, I was a clinical professor and also taught in the lab, um, which is the place where students practice the skills before they go and practice them on uh, live patients, you know, to get the, you know, build up the confidence and all. And so there were adjustments that needed to be made because although these students were graduate students with degrees in other fields, there was unlearning that had to be done. And so that was one of the biggest task going into teaching for me is to help the students kind of unlearn being a LPN, which is a licensed practice practical nurse, or unlearn being a medic because there were different skill sets that would be required in becoming a nurse. And so just navigating that was like one of my first challenges. And so what I did is I quickly learned to just assess my students early and see what their needs were as far as who needed me to be right there holding their hand, who needed me to be just a little distance back and, and watching them for just some added security and who could sort of fly alone who just where I just stand in the wings of it and just watch and they don't really even see me there so that was the greatest uh, I would say application that I could make as a professor because that is where you realize that not all students learn the same are the same and will receive your teaching the same so that was a big thing for me. Yeah, that's so true. And I often talk about this with um, other educators, and this is great to like hear it in the, the nursing world because it's not that different is this differentiation, right? Every learner is going to have different needs, is going to learn in a different way. And when you're in that um, teaching role, you really have to be intuitive. Like you, that's why I always say like, there's training to be a teacher in any kind of field, but I think you have to have something internally that's part of you, this intuition, this nature, which nursing and teaching go hand in hand. I think you have to be very intuitive just to be a nurse and you have yeah. to read people, right? You have to, it's not just about technicality and the science and knowing all the medical terms and all of that, but you have to be able to read people to know how to respond and how to be there for them. And that's the same thing in the teaching role. And it's very much about your intuition and saying, 
this person over here needs a little bit more attention. This one actually mm-hmm. wants me to back off a little bit. So I right. love that we have that shared experience. Um, mm-hmm. You shared with me before when we were meeting about a story about a student that you had to give a little bit of, you know, that tough love to really have them shine. But those moments that can be very difficult when we have to make a call. So if you wanted to share a little bit about that, because I thought that was pretty inspirational. Oh, for sure. So again, my students were adults. All of my students had uh, degrees in other fields. So we were not, you know, dealing with children. So one of my older students and I had a, a teachable moment and it came out of just some pushback. She had did some inappropriate um things on the floor where we had to have a a sidebar in conference. And so she felt the need to challenge me in um, pre-conference with all the other students around. And that we had to pause there because I had to make a decision on how best to handle that situation. So Initially, she tried to bring another student into it. So my first task was separating the two. I gave the other student the choice to come along on the journey, but she would also receive uh, the consequences. And that was her choice. And she made the wise choice and separated and went on to clinicals. With that student, I was presented with a really hard choice because was I going to allow that student to go onto the floor and practice for the day and then deal with it later? Or would I make the hard choice of sending that student home, letting the situation cool down and taking it from there? And so I went with the second choice. I I sent her home. I called my director and let her know what was going on and told her my choice. I sent her home. And what that did is it set a tone. It set a tone that, you know, there has to be a sense of respect. As adults, I respected all of my students, but them respecting me as well was not an option. And I knew that if I had allowed that situation to go further down that rabbit hole that it was spiraling into, that I would lose all credibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody else would come for me. You know, everybody else would challenge and and there would be no learning. And the main thing when teaching, educating is the learning. So even those hard bumps like that are teachable moments. It's something to learn. And so, you know, we did come back together. She finished, you know, the clinical and we found our way around that curve. But I believe if handled differently, um, it could have went a whole different way. You know, it could have went a whole different way. Yeah. And those are tough decisions. And, you know, when you are in a caring field, both teaching and nursing, you know, it's very easy because I've been in those positions too, to say, I don't want to go too hard, right? I, I still want to be the educator that is liked, right? But then you have to put 
the liking and, and being nice kind of on the back burner and saying respect comes first. And in order to be respected, um, we need to handle this in a way that's the most appropriate and that it's still coming from a, a place of love, you know, and care right. because you care about the student doing well. You want them to do well in this clinical. You want them to become a nurse that's very skilled and highly trained and can do this proficiently. And so that's all coming from a place of love. And I think when a student can see that, usually kind of the time away, they can ponder and think about what just happened. Why did I get sent home? Reflect and then come back and then see it right later on. And I share this with you. I had this with a student too that was pushing against me also because I had to have my own teachable moment when I was teaching in Hawaii that I didn't know my students. Like I was from Philadelphia. Like I was, mm -hmm. you know, a white teacher in Hawaii <laughs> with an immigrant community. And I had to pause for myself, but also had to pause for the student because there was no learning happening. And right. when there's friction and drama, um, because both sides don't know how to move forward, then there's no learning. It's It ceases anyways. So you do have to pause and say, let's take a step back and see how we can learn from this moment so we can continue learning in this community. And on the other side, there's so much more love and depth, just like you had with that student. And I had that yes. later on with the student that there was so much more respect and love and care. And we had a deeper sense of learning that happened, but they're, yes. they're tough moments. They're really tough. Oh, yeah, And you got to yeah, make those decisions they and they're not easy. Not at all. And I think the biggest thing was the aftermath because the students afterwards, we had to realign and readjust because my approach has always been out of a place of love. Now, sometimes that love has to turn up and be a little more assertive, but it's still from a place of love. And so I think what happened in that instance, it kind of shifted to fear for just a moment because then all the rest were like, oh, I don't want to get sent home. So we had to have a post-conference about it and just allow them to see that your your actions will have certain consequences. It did not have to go down like that, but she took it down the rabbit hole. It could have been peaceably soft and you know life could have just went on and, and that could have never happened. But you have to take accountability for your mm -hmm. actions and it's something to learn in nursing as well. You know, and once we got past that point, I mean, I became the teacher that the other students referred, like, you want to have Professor Woodford as your clinical instructor, because they knew that they was going to learn, mm -hmm. and they knew that it would be done from a place of love, but there was going to be respect, mm -hmm. and there were going to be boundaries, because that's the real world. But as far as like screaming and hollering and, you know, and all, you know, any form of disrespect was not going to happen on either part. So it was, it was a teachable moment and it just helped us all to be better. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I like that idea of respect on both sides, right? Um, you know, a teacher who gets upset and, you know, maybe yells or gets irate or gets emotional in that moment, um, you're not going to have respect from your students by behaving that way. So showing your students respect is by being assertive and being professional, but saying like, I'm doing this for you, but we need to address the behavior so that we can move forward together. So I absolutely love this story because it is, it's something that really, whether you're a nurse educator or just a K through 12 educator or, you know, college, um, I think these stories are really important because these are the sticky situations that yes. we get into and it can be very mm-hmm. difficult to uh, know what to do. So I think the whole idea of pause, assess, um, you know, have this, I love the pre-conference, conference, post-conference, like it's, it's a whole, uh, you know, journey. It's not just like yes. an argument or a oh, reprimand no. and that's it. It is assessing, having a pre-conference conference, and then what needs to happen. And then let's talk about it. Let's reflect on that. And so there's a whole cycle that happens so that there's a real learning and growth that develops. Absolutely. And I think the the biggest thing for me was prior to bringing that student back, the option was given. And so I said, I need your honesty. Do you feel that you can continue to learn in the environment that I'm providing? And if not, then I will make it where you can have another professor because the bottom line is that you get the learning experience that you're here for. And that comes from just working with nurses that some you know how you you look at drivers and you say, did they take the driver's test? Do you have your license? <laughs> and so it was like, yeah, uh, that was experience on the floor, you know, with just some nurses. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Um, did you take the NCLEX? Did you take it? You know, where did you take the NCLEX? That's what you're thinking. Of course, you're not saying it, but that's, you know, a thought. Yeah. But the way that I am wired, when I see that, I don't want to just look at it and say, what a shame. I want to be a part of the change. And so that was another reason that I got into teaching, because if the master has a chip on it, and by that, I mean, if the instructor or educator has like this flaw, like they're teaching from a place where it's like, that's not really safe, where they're giving shortcuts or, or things like that, then every student that comes through is picking up. And so they kind of come in with a scratch on them and it's not their fault mm-hmm. because we as educators have a responsibility to show them the safe way, show them how to advocate, show them how to be the best nurses that they can be. So if I, as an educator, have students that are out there just doing, you know, all kind of craziness because they didn't learn it the right way, Hmm. then I have to look at myself. So if all of my students don't know how to do care plans and, you know, we went over it, then it's something in me. It's not them. 
It's not mm-hmm. like, well, maybe they're, you know, so as an educator, it is my responsibility to find a way to reach them, to help them to get over that challenge. It's not going to be a hundred percent because that's not life. Some people are just not going to get it, but at least I have to know that I gave it everything that I did everything that I could do, even to refer them to someone else. Because sometimes you're just not going to be a fit. You know, sometimes you have to bring in reinforcement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an important field. I mean, you're caring for people, you're caring for their health. And so I think it's always being very transparent with students in any kind of profession that like what you're doing matters and technicality matters and being proficient because you're, you're taking care of people's lives. Right. And yes, and they really, uh, they believe in the work that you're doing. Like everything has to do with trust. So like when I go to a hospital and I'm working with a nurse, doctor, whoever there, I am putting my faith and trust into this hospital and into the people there and knowing that they know what they're doing and they know how to take care of me because I don't know how to do all these things. And there's a trust there. And so, yeah, if you see some sloppiness happen, and again, any profession, but particularly the medical field, people are not going to have trust in it. And when trust breaks down, then I don't know, people just don't know how to take care of themselves or what they're going to need to do. Now, my job teaching history and psychology might not seem as important or dire in that way, but the way I look at it in any kind of teaching role is that I'm helping to foster citizens of this country and world. And I want them to be mm-hmm. responsible citizens who care about, you know, community and taking care of each other and whatever work they do, that they um, do it well and they yeah. they are going and putting their best foot forward. So ultimately in any kind of educator role, you're you're trying to, you know, share this message of what you put out there in the world matters and Mm -hmm. you need to do it well. And you, again, it's not going to be 100%, but you need to have accountability. And when you're an adult, you are accountable. You're responsible for whatever work that you're doing. And it all matters. It doesn't matter what the field is. It all matters because you are impacting another life in some way. Right. Absolutely. And that's like the message at the end of the day. And I think, I think in education, we need to just be more transparent and say, I'm not just teaching you history because I'm a history teacher. And I think these events in history are important, but like, Mm -hmm. why are we doing this? Why am I teaching you to be a proficient nurse? They need to know the why. Absolutely. That it really does matter and impacts other people. You know, I want to jump in and say another thing. That trust, oh my, that just resonated so strongly with me. Trust also means letting them know, hey, I I don't know everything. And I think that when you're an educator, if you try to fake it to make it, that is one of the biggest places you will lose trust because they will stop kind of believing in what you're saying if you make up something. So it is so much better to say, you know what, let me look that up and I'll get back to you. And I use that as teachable moments. But when they see, when your students 
see that you as an educator, you don't know it all either. And you are transparent and you say, you know what? I'll get back with you either by the end of this clinical or the next clinical, you know, I'll have something. And that's a charge on you to go and do the work because that's part of your obligation. That's part of your responsibility in their learning that if you don't know something, you go figure it out. You go learn that so that you can come back and share it. So, and when they see that, you know, I've, I've done it maybe once or twice, but I've been told by the students that that was a thing that just helped them to be so much more relaxed in our clinical setting because they knew that they didn't have to be perfect because I'm not perfect. They knew that they didn't have to know everything because I don't know everything. And that makes them ask questions yeah. because they yeah. feel like you're not going to judge them because you don't know everything either. Yeah. Yes. That is so key. Cause I will often say too, it's like, I am, you know, a professional in this field, but I am not an expert. Nobody's actually a really an expert. We all are learning and growing and have questions all the time, but it's important, like you said, to go and do the research and come back with something, even if it's still not like the answer, right? I get all kinds of questions in my psychology class. Like, out of left field that I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought of that before. And I'll often say that too. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. That is a really cool question. Let's look it mm -hmm. up. And even if I come back with something that doesn't completely answer it, it's giving us a step forward in that process of just knowing something more. And I just love the idea of being curious with the student, like the student's curious. And then you are being vulnerable, saying, I don't have the answer, but I'm curious and I'm going to go and look this up. And even if they want to as well, and then come back and, and say, this mm -hmm. is what we found from our research. And then they see you as a team player, like you yeah. are part of it with them yeah. and it does build trust. It mm -hmm. allows them to be more open to mm -hmm. asking questions. It's also, they're open to not being perfect and that yeah. you might make mistakes and fail, but that's part of the learning process. So I, yes. all of this is so, um, I, I feel like it's like the foundation of what education should be, right? Absolutely. Having these conversations with our students. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just getting in there with them because they're were clinical instructors that will come in and they have on their little baton and they have on their designer pantsuit with, you know, the white jacket. So, you know, as a student and I'm looking at you, are you really going to come in here and help me, you know, maybe ambulate a patient or, you know, just get in here with me, get down and dirty with me in your Louis Vuittons and your, you know, designer pantsuit with your jacket. Or you see the instructor come in, she has scrubs just like you, stethoscope on, shoes like yours, hair tied, because at the time I had longer hair, but I modeled for my students mm. what I wanted to be reflected back to me. So I just modeled it. And then it's just like, so now you return, you know, let me see it back. And so you can't start that IV then come on, let's go. And, you know, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to drop this NG tube. Let me show you how to ambulate. 
And the skills I found with the nursing students, they had the skills down packed. Like the skills was not the issue. It was the psychosocial. Mm. And so to this day, <clears throat> I still stay in contact with several of my students. And just this week, I spoke with a student because this podcast kind of inspired me to have a podcast on my show with a few of my students and just asking, what is it that they learned with their time with me that they're still using in their life today? And so I have a student that nurse practitioner and it a male student and he says you know diane because they wanted to keep calling me professor woodford i'm like if you don't call me diane and some still will say it and then they'll they'll catch it because it's like okay we're we're all professionals now you can call me diane now and so he says i remember having a patient and he even went to the diagnosis and all, and the patient had jaundice and I was doing everything right. And you were just observing. And then when we had our one-on-one, -on -one, you said, okay, you did all of the skills, perfect. But now I need you to go back in and connect with that patient on a psychosocial level. Go find out what's going on in that patient's life. Go find out about that patient, connect with the patient as a person and not so much connecting with the diagnosis of the patient. And he says, I have carried that in my practice to date and it has made me a better nurse. And I kind of got tears because it's just like, okay, it's stuck. Not so much that, hey, I am great, but that I was able to plant a seed and that seed has blossomed and grown and is making its own fruit and just going forth in huge and wonderful ways, you know? Oh my gosh. I love this story. Yes. You're planting the seeds and that part of making a connection with your patient, the relationship is just as important as the skills and same thing in any kind of teaching, like building rapport with your students, building classroom culture is just as important as the content and the historical psychological skills that I'm teaching. And that's what I think when people see a nurse and they're like comparing maybe like one versus the other, that's what is going to stand out. It's not necessarily yes. like this one is so skilled because like they're going to be skilled if they're going to get a job and, and be a proficient nurse, but they're going to see how someone is connecting with them and mm -hmm. getting to know them. Because when you're sick in a hospital, people do feel like all they see me as is my diagnosis. All they see me mm -hmm. as is ailing. They don't know mm -hmm. anything behind the scenes. And it's a very personal and vulnerable place to be. And you want someone who's taking care of you to ask you questions about yourself and like mm -hmm. feel like they actually care about you as a person and not just as someone who is sick with a certain disease or cancer. So I think that's so important. I love that you had former students on your podcast and that kind of is no, a not segue. Yet. Oh, okay. Oh, they're no, coming. Not yet. They're coming because okay. yeah, this is, is inspiring. So they're coming. They're, That's they're, awesome. they're coming in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. So kind of a, a segue into what you're doing now. And I think this kind of happened at the time of the pandemic is creating love drops podcast and yes. the path to transformation. Um, do you want to go into kind of you know, how that all 
started okay. and like what the work sure. you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, past the transformation, uh, that was created in 2014. So that was the platform. And so past the transformation was a platform that I created because I couldn't find it anywhere. Not saying that it's not there, but saying I couldn't find it anywhere. So I created it. And what it is, is a platform where people network. It's a platform that spotlights people's talents and gifts and creativity. A platform that allows writers like myself to just practice you know, just doing blogs and maybe not the word practice, but a place to offer them somewhere to showcase uh, their writing. And so maybe they're in the process of writing a book as you were or are. And so offering you a platform, hey, do you have writings that you'd like to share, inspirational writings? So I share writings, my husband share writings, and then we have a page where we invite people to share their inspirational writings. And it's wonderful. It's a place where we spotlight uh, people doing big things in the world, places that we have went to. So we have a network page. We have a page that shows things that we're doing on our journey, um, people that we've encountered and you know what they're saying. And it's just a global community where people can come and network. And that is past the transformation. And that is the umbrella that we have the Love Drops podcasts, which dropped in 2020. And it started out as videos. So we were doing these short videos and posting them on Instagram. And we were doing them because the narrative was so dark and heavy. Um, people were uh, feeling alone. People were feeling untouched. So it's just like, we need to put love and we need to just spread some love out here. So we would just do things and take people to, to the beach and take people on our walks and share exercises. Charles is really into Tai Chi and Qigong. So sharing relaxation, giving tips and things. And that quickly involved, evolved into the podcast. Now the podcast was something that had been on our our to-do list for about five years prior to that. But once we started the Love Drop videos, it evolved into the podcast. And we were literally doing podcasts every single day at first. We were doing <laughs> Love Drops, just wow. like the video. So they were short, but it was just like, we would get guests to record in, or Charles and I would just do it. And it's now evolved into a bi-weekly podcast, but Love Drops has also evolved into a love movement. It's so much bigger than a podcast. So anything that is a passion for me I have to apply some service. I need to give back. I have to be a part of the change. I feel like we have just sat around the table and talked about the issues and things that are, are going wrong or things that are going to the level. What are we doing about it? I feel like time now is a time to shift. So 
no, I am not available to sit around and talk about the problem, but I can meet you in the solution room. I can meet you in the place of action any day, any time. But just to talk of, because we know that it's there, right? So the first year on Love Drops, we adopted a family, two little girls, single mom, and we allowed them to pick gifts and our supporters and listeners helped to get them all the gifts. And they had some pretty high price gifts on their list, but you know, love conquers all and love never fails. So you'd be surprised what love will bring about. And so last year, which is our, which was our second year outreach and second year doing it, we did two things. We all year long, we did a, um, it was the meal time giveaway. And so what we did is every month was the goal that we would give a gift card to a family to eat. It didn't even need to be a family in need. It just a family, however it dropped on us. And so they would get a gift card uh, for either a grocery store or a restaurant and just random. So it was just a love drop. They didn't know it was coming. It's just, they just got it. And then it accumulated. Well, I, I should say it it wrapped up at the end of the year. Last year, we did two mealtime giveaways, which we randomly picked two families and each got $500 gift cards for grocery stores wow. at the end of the year. And then we also, instead of two children, last year, we were able to select 10 children five girls and five boys between five and 12. And they picked off of an Amazon wish list, and they all had three wishes. And that was just to show the babies that they mattered because mm -hmm. the kids had went through yeah. so much in this pandemic. We yeah. shut down their playgrounds. We took away the schools. I mean, we isolated the babies, you know, and that's hard. Because I know you or I have never lived through a time in our lifetime where we couldn't go to the playground or mm -hmm. where you couldn't go to school. Maybe you want to be sick and stay home, but that was like a little choice. But we were never impacted where we had to stay home, where there was no school and we had to do school through a screen. So it was just yeah. our way of just pouring love back into the children and letting them know you matter, you matter, we care. And it was phenomenal. We we reached our goal with the 10 children and even had enough to do one extra child. So it was phenomenal. It was just really great. This year, we're doing senior citizens, college students and caregivers. And um, your listeners can find out more about that on our page. I, I would like to invite them to just go to the page and see what we're doing and if they feel led to participate in supporting you know what we're doing we put everything that we do on the website so even the video recording is because when we re did the reveals and followed the kids wish list all of that was on the podcast so that people could you know hear about it and and just kind of go along on the journey and then we also have some of the children responses to the gifts that they receive so that's you know that's out there on the website as well so love drops is 
more than a podcast. It is a love movement and we're growing. Um, we're going global and we're looking to do big things on our fourth year because we're celebrating three years podcasting. Wow. So yeah. This is amazing. I had no idea it was like this so much giving and just from your heart and Charles's heart to want to give love to all of these people, these families, these children, and now like senior citizens. And um, just because you saw it was missing, you saw that in the time of the pandemic and even, you know, coming into this time, there's so much love that's missing and people often pay attention to the darkness and they pay attention to the problems and you are flipping that on its head and saying, no, look at all this love, you know, people sharing, people donating and what we can give to these families and these children. And it, it's there. And when we focus on that, that makes other people want to get involved like a movement. And so I will definitely share your platform, your website in the show notes and have you know, invite people to come and check out your work that you're doing with your husband and, you know, be a part of this movement that you can be a part of giving. And I always get this question, like when I started my podcast too, and I don't do anything like this, but now you're inspiring me to have something built into maybe this teacher story platform where we're giving to the classroom and to teachers. Yes. Um, but people always say, look, well, why are you doing this? Like, do you make money from it? Or like, what are you getting out of it? And I'm like, we need to shift this mindset that everything has yes. to be a job that you're getting income mm. for. That's great if that happens and that gives a person maybe more ability to give in whatever mm -hmm. way that they want to. But why can't we just do things because they feel good and they feel like it's the right thing to do? Like Absolutely. I created a platform so that people felt like their voice mattered and like their story matters and just a place to feel like heard, you know, like, why don't we just do things because it's a passion. It's just something that just feels right. Instead of going right to the default of, well, why are you doing this? What are you getting out of it? Like that's exactly. so egotistical and like going right to the personal, like, what am I getting out of it? I'm like, you know what I'm getting out of doing this podcast is this right here, this connection. Mm. And I'm learning, I'm growing. You're giving me inspiration and ideas to become a better person and want to give more. And, and it's all a flow. It's all just a connection and how we're all part of this together. No one is you know, sitting somewhere isolated anymore. Even if we were isolated I in the pandemic, I think one thing we're seeing more is that we are interconnected. We are mm -hmm. all helping each other on this journey of life, every single person mm -hmm. we talk to. And if we see it that way, it makes life so much more enjoyable. Like it's like, yes, when you're going through hard times, when you focus on all the people that care about you and that you care about all these people and how you're connected, it just makes it so much better. Yes. So I yes. love this. I love the love. Yes. Movement. I love it. I, I I am I, I feel so blessed just to be able to do this. And it's so funny because I just got the question last week. Well, the week before, because we were on vacation last week. <laughs> but the week before, I got the very question. So how do you monetize 
love drops. Like, well, how do you, I say, huh? And they're, they're like, well, how do you make money? I, I was like, yeah, that, that, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. I, on our, on our website, we have a donation page and people can donate and people have made donations and we have used those donations and poured it back into what we are, are doing in the world and they help, but no, it's, there is no cause. I mean, I think that that's part of just love drop. There is no price on love. And if you put a price on love, then you're changing the whole characteristics of love because yes. love is unconditional and love costs nothing. There is no price on love. So no, there is no price on love. Love will bring to you what you need. So if it is financial resources or if it is just resources that we need, then it, it comes, it comes, but it love attracts, mm -hmm. love attracts, but love has no price. And I, I have had to really do some self-work because I get it. You know, some people, you know, it's a goods, it's a service. And so there, there's a price there. And it's like, it's a cost for everything. It's almost like we're living in a world where it's like, Hey, Jackie, you want to be my friend? Well, for $24.99 a month, we can be friends and, and we can do friend things. And so it's just like, huh. And then it makes you think, well, what if I don't have the $24.99 a month? Are we still going to be friends? You know, can we still do friend things? And I just, I that's not what I want. I'm not saying yeah. it as right or wrong. And I'm definitely not saying you do your truth. You do what feels right for you. You do what gives you peace and I much success to that. But what I'm saying here is that some things just need to be. Some mm. things just need to be, yes. you know, because then there's the authenticity of it. Like the, the mealtime giveaway uh, cards that we were doing just random, those people didn't know it. And it's so funny because anytime that we do something, like we'll do a big outreach at the end of the year, but throughout the year, we're doing love drops just to random people. Like it can be people and, and, and they can live in a mansion. Doesn't matter. Yeah. They still get a love drop. A love drop is still a love drop. And you'd be surprised how it hits with people that have everything because it hits even differently because mm. they know like they don't even need it but it's just like wow you know so you send them a candle you send them a nice candle from someone that's in your you know circle that produces candles you know you have a friend that has a business and so you so you're doing a love drop because you're purchasing from that business so you're supporting a friend and then you take in what you purchase and then you sending it out so it's just like the love drops mm. just flow. It just it just circumvent and it just flow. And that's yeah. that's what it that's what it's all about. And you know what, Jackie? It flows to Charles and I as well. It flows just having wonderful connections, just being able to meet people like you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, just to, to to make beautiful connections 
That's what it's all about. That's if we song. saw love as a currency, it could transform the world because it really is it just like you're saying, like real love is unconditional. So like even just getting rid of the word conditional love and unconditional love, because if it's really love, it's unconditional. You shouldn't even have to say unconditional. Exactly. It is a currency. I have found through all of the connections I have made through doing this podcast, through the communities I'm in, and there's like no money coming in, but the currency of love is flowing. Mm. And I've been in so many different relationships with people where we exchange. I do something for you and you do something for me. I care about supporting you. You care about supporting me. And it's this energy that flows. And it's also a genuine relationship. It's not just like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, conditional. Right. It's like, right. no, I really care about the coaching business yeah. that you're trying to build because you want to help other people. So I'm going to support you by either bringing you on this show or talking you up on a post on LinkedIn or whatever that, what I know I can do for you. And then mm -hmm. that comes around without me expecting it. And then someone's like, Hey, you're looking to create a website. And I know that's really important for you because you want to like showcase the things you're doing because you want to help other people. And then I know this person. And so I've seen this in the last like three months exponentially, so much exchange happening. And it doesn't have to be about actual monetary like exchange, but this exchange of love and this exchange of how people help each other with their message. And yeah, what you're doing is purely, you know, philanthropic in the way that you're just giving to, to strangers and giving to people and they, you know, they don't even know why. And it's like, you don't need to know why it's just someone being, you know, someone who wants to give love and be caring. I love it. That's so wonderful. A post somewhere and I don't know, or maybe I just saw it online. And so it says collaboration is when you are working in tandem with someone. I want to see you win. You want to see me win. It's not a competition. You don't even have to, like, you don't have to ask me to promote your book. When your book comes out, I want to see you win. You want to see me win. And we just act accordingly, period. It's not a competition. It's not a race. Because to be honest, I have friends on multiple levels. I have friends that are so high, they are out of the stratosphere. I have friends that are coming up behind me. I have friends that are flying next to me. And the thing about it is there is no competition. Yes, It's just, hey, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love that I have friends, friends, not people, not followers, not, you know, thumbs uppers, but friends that are out of the stratosphere because guess what? If I need to scream up there and say, hey, hey, what you need? Ooh, here comes the road, right? So it's good to have friends and collaborations on various levels without the competition. This says a collaboration is where it goes back and forth. A collaboration is where you want to see each other win. 
-hmm. But if we're doing something, whereas we're calling it collaboration, but it's like, I, I, I want you to purchase or I want you to this or I want you to that and it's always money, then that's a transaction. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a transaction. Yes. So I think that when we just make clear defines, is it collaboration or is it transaction, right? And you have, it helps you. It helps you on your journey when you just define those lines. I've just made some very amazing collaborations, you know, just in this LinkedIn community, you know, if I had not gotten so involved, I would never have met you. Yeah. So, and, and so many just other people and it's wonderful because you have your communities and networks, but I think the, the, the whole thing about love is that it flows. And if you look at it as love flows, then that means that people are going to be constantly coming in and out and in and out and in and out. I think sometimes what we do is you want to just hold on so tight and then it's not, you're not making room because you're, you're steady Mm. going and it it, it comes back. Yeah. It comes back. So you have to allow the love to flow. And if you allow the love to flow, it will change your life. I know it for a fact. It will change your life. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to end on that note because that was so beautiful. I have nothing more to say because that was so eloquent and it all comes back to the original, you know, part of your story is being a nurse, being a nurse educator, myself being an educator it is all about love. And, you know, there's again, the skills and the technicality, but it's like, we care about people. We care about them winning. You care about your nurse students winning and being the best nurses possible because then they can care for others and they can help others win. And it's all a ripple effect. And same thing, like I care for my students and I want them to win and succeed so that they can go into the world and do that for other people. You're yeah. just passing the baton. You just keep passing it yeah. and you keep sharing that love and it's an energy and it's a cycle. And if we just view our whole existence in that way, that is the meaning of life. Like everyone's like, what's the meaning of life? The meaning of life is this, this cyclical energy. It's constantly give, receive, give, receive and letting it flow and move because in that movement, is when we feel so fulfilled, we feel so much love and we feel like we're part of something. When people feel the darkness or they feel, I can't do this life anymore. Talk about like mental health crisis with children and just in people in general, it's because they don't see that cycle and that connection, but we're all part of it. And I think it's all part of our, I wanna even say responsibility to help mm-hmm. wake each other up to it. And that's what we're that. doing in this conversation right now. And that's what I've been doing in conversations with people recently is like, we all have the responsibility to wake each other up to this interconnection. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to plug yeah. all your information in the show notes and I appreciate it. Go see Diane and Charles 
Paths to Transformation platform. If you want to donate, if you just want to be a part of it, if you want to write a blog post, listen to Love Drops podcast. It is so beautiful. I like be a guest on Love Drops podcast. Yes. Yes. So I'll include your uh, LinkedIn contact information as well. Definitely connect with Diane. She is beautiful, beautiful soul. I am so excited to have you in my life and blessed to have this conversation today. Same. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's been a joy. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices.